Live from the Lincoln Douglas Building in downtown Quincy, the only local show taking a principled stand on the issues of the day. This is how it happens. It's the natural process of things. The view of the entrenched is predictable, but it's also erroneous. With Sean Seacrease. We have an addiction in this country, not only to government welfare and government handouts, but more fundamentally to other people's money. And Quaid. Again, you're dancing with government. This is the morning meeting. You cannot continue to advocate for status quo when status quo has run the ship aground. On Talk Radio 930, WTAD. So with it being a short week, does that make today hump day? Yes. There's your brain teaser for this week. Oh, totally. Today is hump day. It's de facto hump day today. All right. Well, congratulations. It's arrived earlier than normal, even here on the morning meeting. Sean Seacrest, Quaid with you this morning on the morning meeting. A change of pace because of that short week. We'll be talking with Aaron Baker of Axiom Strategies Mm -hmm. here in just a moment. Also on the show today, with or without... We asked the question whether Ben Yount, the Illinois watchdog, he may be joining us, he may not be joining us, but we will also talk about who's upset that they've gotten exactly what they wanted because they think it's distracting you from the issue of them not getting what they wanted. I don't know what you just said. I know. When you involve public (laughs) sector unions, it always gets confusing. Uh, you ever have, I'm like battling this sinus, tra- sinus drainage yeah, thing. I can hear that. It's not good. And I've got like the one ear that feels like you've uh, taken off in the airplane. Mm. And it's like the pressure thing and you can't get it to like pop. So uh, we'll, we'll see how this goes. We were talking with somebody over the weekend who has this, that has this issue, weren't we? Uh, maybe it was my bad ear facing them. I don't know. I'll try to remember that the, uh, I got into a, an inner ear discussion with somebody. I can't remember. I thought you were there. Maybe mm. not. Maybe I maybe know. I maybe I imagined it. I didn't make my favorite remedy for the show. My favorite remedy uh, is uh, I, I don't know if it's oh, we're not supposed to drink on the air, homeopathic or not, right? But uh, you just make a, a medicinal hot toddy. Yeah, that's and people we- say, well, what's a medicinal hot toddy? <laughs> well, you just put in double the amount of booze. <laughs> That makes it, but you also got to go. You, Ask you grandma; get, she knows. You got to get a good bourbon too. You can't go really like when you're when you're not feeling good and and you need it to do the trick. You can't go like bottom barrel. You gotta. You're worth it. Spend the extra ten dollars and go. So I got some. Uh, I got some Knob Creek Single Barrel Reserve to put in there. Ooh, now now let me ask you delicious. this: Do you keep this in the liquor cabinet or do you keep it in the medicine cabinet? Sir? Um, let's see. Well, it's not the it's not the Knob Creek's uh, fault that I that it's also uh, medicinal in addition to being delicious. I'm not. No, so I'm not putting it on there. I'm putting it, it on you. In, it stays in the liquor cabinet. Okay, it stays in the liquor cabinet. All right. <laughs> if you put the 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 white circle with the red the red uh, cross on it, so that people know. <laughs> Hey, hey, don't go hitting this for fun. I save this for the sick times. I can send my imaginary St. Bernard to the medicine cabinet to get it for me uh, if there's an emergency. Aaron Baker, Axiom Strategy, uh, our guest this morning here on the morning meeting. Aaron, when you're a little under the weather, do you have a a non-prescription remedy that you like? Well, I I kept picturing the two of you uh, doing the ear candling. (laughs) <laughs> like a live Facebook feed <laughs> in the studio because oh. <laughs> she kept talking about this. 
That's 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 uh, quite a sight, and uh, unfortunately, we don't have that's, a live uh, web stream. You know what? what that's a Facebook Live moment waiting to happen. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Aaron Baker, Axiom Strategies, our guest this morning on the morning meeting. All right, Aaron, Missouri's governor-elect Eric Greitens has proposed a blue alert law. This is in the spirit of Amber Alert, when there's a missing child or a silver alert, if there's a missing seasoned senior citizen. Uh, this would be to let uh, uh, people know what's going on. It's designed to track down people suspected of shootings or attempted shootings on our law enforcement personnel. I think this is a great, it's not just a gesture, but it's a great start from Governor-elect Greitens to show that he's really thinking about the role of law enforcement in our communities. What other things are you hearing about uh, Governor-elect Greitens and, and how he plans to leverage at the national level? We call it the first 100 days in office. Most governors aren't held to that kind of scrutiny, but what are you hearing about what he's proposing at the beginning of his term? Well, first of all, I, I don't know about you two, but I can't name the last idea that Governor Jay Nixon had for our state. Mm-hmm. Um, and so already off the bat, we have Governor-elect Greitens coming up with a timely idea that I think most Missourians care about. Uh, when you talk about the transition, it's kind of interesting. You know, like Donald Trump, we have an outsider uh, governor-elect here. Uh, unlike Donald Trump, he still hasn't surrounded himself by uh what I, I would say, kind of insiders in D.C., those are kind of known names, uh, elected officials, military folks that endorse Trump. Greitens is still surrounded mostly by folks who have a business background, have a uh, kind of a non-government background, um, and, and that will be interesting in the transition process. If you think about it, the establishment or government types all came out for Chris Coster. And so Eric Greitens is going to have to fill his departments with directors that uh, really are are fairly outside of the, the government, state government uh, perspective. And uh, that's that's not going to be easy, but here's a bright guy with a great, surrounded by a great team that I think is really going to uh, have some folks that have a new perspective for the Show Me State. Uh, Aaron Baker, our guest this morning on the morning meeting. The blue alert law idea isn't necessarily a, a, a political type thing, but politically, I think it scores uh, out of the gate for him because uh, people don't want to turn police shootings into something uh, political. I think this is something that everybody can get behind. That's right. And uh, to be honest, if you if you polled Missourians, at least earlier this year, we were seeing polling of if if a legislator or a candidate said that they were going to back the blue, that they were going to support stronger law enforcement, uh, the, the chest cameras uh, for, for law enforcement, only if it benefited law enforcement, uh, was pulling very high. And so I, I just think Missourians really have an appetite post-Ferguson to really support law enforcement of all types. And so I, I really think that he's really honed in on something that really matters to, to people no matter where they live. And, and something that's timely and important. And uh, that's significant for a guy that's juggling who's going to be the next director of ag, uh, et cetera, to really come out with something that, that matters to the average Joe out there. Aaron Baker, Axiom Strategies, our guest this morning on the morning meeting. All right, Aaron, you are on on many levels, not only an, an information distributor with the Axiom newsletter that you put out, but you also work in managing and advising campaigns. Now that Missouri has gone 100% red, all the constitutional elected offices were red. The state polled big red for Donald Trump. 
are you seeing a change in prospective candidates who may want to run for office based on this new information? And are you and your team going about advising people differently now that we seem to be living in this new reality? So, first of all, most folks realize that whenever a president wins two years later, the the opposing party does fairly well. And so in a lot of competitive, maybe mayoral races around the country, some of the more competitive congressional districts, some candidates that were stronger candidates may back out uh, in these swing districts because they feel like maybe Republicans will take it on the chin a little bit in a couple of years. Uh, We're seeing a lot of uh, candidates show an interest fairly early. Uh, these are uh, good government types, uh, kind of this Tea Party types of folks still sticking around uh, that are excited about business people, those that sign the front of a check being involved in government now. Um, it's interesting, you know, the media is trying to make Donald Trump look bad for being a businessman and going after people who are here illegally. And I think the media doesn't realize that that's kind of why he was elected. And so I think our base is, is fairly motivated to serve and, and to get involved, and we're actually seeing quite a bit of that in uh, candidate recruitment. Aaron Baker, Axiom Strategies, our guest this morning. On the other side of things, uh, Aaron, uh, last week we talked about uh, the Democrats kind of turtling up for the next uh, couple of years and sticking to their enclaves in St. Louis, uh, Jackson County, uh, on college campuses. Uh, there was uh, an article in uh, STL Today yesterday uh, that talked about uh, the new reality for Democrats in Missouri is to kind of start to build back on blue-collar workers whom they lost a lot of in this uh, last I- election. Is this where they're going to get uh, or, or begin to build a bench is to try and, I guess, work together with uh, unions and build activism that way? So the blue-collar worker has chosen a party that fits with not only their pocketbook, but also their ideology, realized that Democrats just weren't getting it done and protecting their jobs and manufacturing. A lot of these articles, these postmortem articles for Missouri interviews, legislators who are now in leadership for the Democratic Party, who are from very urban areas that kind of shrug their shoulders and say, we're just going to keep doing what we're doing. And in fact, we may move farther to the left because maybe that's our problem. Maybe we were trying to be too moderate in the case of Coster and candor, at least in their advertisements. Um, I think my biggest fear as a, a Republican operative is that Democrats will recruit more candidates like Candor and Duckworth with a military background uh, that gives people pause that they, I mean, they're great candidates. They're, um, they're for the country. You know, any, anyone that serves this country should get a serious look. And so I would say that Democrats would look at that model pretty seriously. Uh, but it seems at least this in Missouri they're just going to try to be more liberal, and I obviously I, I just don't think that's going to work. Yeah, I don't I don't see how that's good. If if you were too moderate, uh, and the the state was shifting right, shouldn't you kind of follow where the state is shifting and become more moderate to entice them? Wouldn't that be logical? Right, Missouri. That's right. But Missouri Democrats are victim to the national party moving farther and farther left, and and that might help in Illinois, but in Missouri, it's it's really got them snagged up and maybe something that they can't fix for the next decade. So let's kind of take this to the next step. Aaron Baker, Axiom Strategies, with us on the morning meeting. If the Democrat Party in Missouri moves left and you see the GOP with big wins there, but there are big wins on the coattails of a populist, not a traditional conservative, 
Are we going to see on the state level, in your mind, room for other third parties to pop up, whether they're libertarian or green or maybe something that's new or resurrectional bulbos, who knows? Or is there going to be room in our country where we're going to look at multiple parties, sort of have a European style to it rather than the traditional two-party system that has been in place for a long time here in the U.S.? I think what you'll actually see is more of a civil war in the Republican Party amongst, similar to what you see in Kansas, the far-right legislators who are more libertarian, budget hawk types versus more moderate Republicans that, you know, want to see education fully, public education fully funded and have uh, more kind of moderate or suburban appealing types of uh of stances. I think right now in Missouri, rural Missouri, uh, conservative Missouri kind of takes charge of leadership. I think that Jefferson City Republicans, Republicans of Jefferson City realize that their base is the rural area, um, a conservative, uh, fiscally conservative type of voter. And so I, I think in, in Missouri, at least, it's pretty clear that that side of the party will lead going forward. But I, I do think in other states, you're going to see two Republican parties, a populist position, and then the more conservative uh, position. If you think about it, Romney used to talk about, you know, economics. And I was laughing with my friend the other day, you know, we used to think that we would win campaigns based on economic theory, and now it's just based on sound bites. I mean, we've, we've really dumbed down the party, and it works. And I, I, I don't know if that's sustainable, but that's what's happened. I'm gonna I'm gonna bring it back to to what you were talking about a a Republican Party in Missouri perhaps divided against itself. Will that work in Jeff City when you're trying to get certain things done? I mean, we've seen that even with the super hyper mega majority in in the past, uh, some things not get quite all the way there. Is that something that Democrats plan to exploit and then use as a wedge moving forward? I think at least early on, Greitens says two two constituencies to go after. Uh, labor bosses and trial lawyers. Those are the folks that funded Coster's campaign, so it makes sense from a revenge type of perspective, and it makes makes sense from a base type of perspective. And so I think there will at least be a honeymoon for a year where he gets some pretty significant policy wins on the things that matters to this legislature. Mm-hmm. Now, after that, that, that might be where it kind of gets sticky, where the legislature may have uh, fairly conservative policies, and a big ideas governor like Greitens may have uh, similar to Trump, maybe infrastructure uh, priorities or, or something else that, that may jam them up. But I, I really think you're going to see a, a good first year from the governor and the General Assembly. Aaron Baker, Axiom Strategies, our guest this morning on The Morning Meeting. Aaron, in today's email, you cited Jeremy Carl of the National Review talking about Trump's Midwest is the new red wall. Is this this is just the beginning of sort of this uh, national election postmortem and, and analysis that's going on? Is that a rush to judgment in your mind to say just because the country decided to go a different way from the way it's gone in the last couple of election cycles that's that's now a wall? Doesn't the GOP and, and even President Trump have to sustain that through a second election cycle? Otherwise, it's just an aberration. Well, unfortunately, our, our nation is more and more divided on race, and it seems as if working-class whites were the folks that really put Trump over the top, and some of them obviously voted for Obama in the past. Um, if liberals want to continue to focus on uh, keeping people here who are here illegally and other things that don't have much to do with the rule of law and going after folks that want to choose uh, 
who they want to do commerce with based on their religious beliefs, then Democrats are going to continue to lose these working white class kind of rural state voters. Um, And so it really depends on, I think, more of what Democrats want to do as far as their talking points and their priorities than Republicans who right now all of a sudden have a bigger tent than they do. Aaron Baker, Axiom Strategies, our guest this morning on The Morning Meeting. Aaron, thanks for the time and the insight. We appreciate it. Have a great holiday. You too. Have a great Thanksgiving. We'll continue The Morning Meeting next on WTAD. Giving conservatives a voice in the tri-states. I mean, this stuff moves people. It's The Morning Meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. WTAD. That's the real city council. It's the morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Sean Seacree, Squade, with you this morning. Uh, whether or not Ben Yount joins us uh, mm. in just a few minutes, uh, he's uh, under duress today. Is that uh, what he is? Yeah, well, we're going to be nice to him because uh, he's been with us a long time here on the morning meeting. We've got plenty of Illinois issues to talk about. What happens when a public sector union gets something they've been asking for and he's happy to get it? but says that they only have gotten it because it's just there to distract you from what they're not getting that they still want. So we'll get into all that and uh, where squirrels are fighting back in Illinois and Hmm? why it's almost cost an Illinois legislator his life. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is a real thing. Check and see who wrote this. Did Gary Larson write this? No, it's not Gary Larson. (laughs) It's not a Far Side episode. When the uh, squirrels know, fight back, that's immediately where I go to. I know, but that, that's, the, that's the headline on this. Should we be concerned that squirrels are fighting back? And, and <laughs> I went to Farside uh, as well. University of North Carolina just did a study uh, showing that uh, turkeys today are three times the size they were 100 years ago. Okay, now does it say wild or, or no, turkeys you're buying at the store? Turkeys you're buying uh, at the store for dinner. Well, so yeah. they're, uh, they're, they were kind of trying to poo-poo the industrial farming industry, and I'm like, wait a minute. We're fatter than ever before in this country. Mm-hmm. There's more of us at the dinner table. Mm-hmm. You need a bigger bird. Need a bigger bird, and uh, what we learned from uh, working at a previous station is that that creates jobs, mm-hmm. sometimes jobs that you wouldn't even realize need to be done. Mm-hmm. I wonder if the same could be said for... Chickens, because I think cows are about the same size. There might be some variance there, uh, but I wonder if the same could be said for chickens. I I don't know. Josh is shaking his head. Producer Josh is shaking his head. I know it seems to me, and and I just may be a falling victim to the diminished capacity of past memory, but it seems to me that the chicken breasts like you get at the grocery store are bigger now than they were when I was younger. See, when we were younger, uh, how much of the cooking did you do? I didn't handle a whole lot of chicken breasts when I was younger, uh, you know, other than when I was eating them. I just... Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying, when you're eating them. And that's one of the few things that I could cook for myself. Like, just get some chicken breasts, throw it in the pan with some olive oil and some butter, and do it up. You could make some pasta and eat it with that, or you could... Just put it on a bun with a piece of cheese and eat it. So maybe that's why it's that much more. It's I also just by made weight. The, also made the heck out of the family size Chef Boyardee ravioli and just eat the whole thing. Get in trouble every time for it, too. 
What do you, oh, just open the can and go to town? Yeah, open the open the family size can. I oh, was supposed to be for can. dinner and, right. and eat it myself. Right. No, so. That's not good on a lot of levels. <laughs> this is delicious, though. <laughs> and you could burn all those calories when you're 17. Sure. So you didn't have to worry about that. So you're getting three times as much turkey per bird today as we did 100 years ago. So mm. at least plenty for turkey soup. Absolutely. Hopefully your Thanksgiving dinner is three times as delicious as they were 100 years ago. Coming up, we get into Illinois issues, including squirrels, and the fight between Governor Rauner and AFSCME as the governor now has unilateral invoking powers thanks to the impasse, how he gave the union something they wanted, and they're chagrined about it. Next on The Morning Meeting. Where we go, others will follow. That's who we are. Even if it's not the best idea. The Morning Meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. This is Dennis Miller, and you're listening to The Morning Meeting. Here on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Producer Josh, did you get that for the Between the Segments segment? Because I, I think that's a timely and topical what just happened here <laughs> in the studio. On the I don't know. Well, I guess it is. By definition, break. it is. It's topical for sure and timely. Uh, I was I was about to say I don't know I don't know about timely but it was topical, uh, and he didn't involve Gary Larson in any way. No, so that's, that's what you got going on this morning. Every, everybody wins. I'm sure he could work it in. When are you unhappy to get exactly what you've been asking for? Uh, what's the punchline when you're a public sector union? Governor Rauner decided uh, to use the powers that he has to unilaterally implement parts of the new deal with AFSCME mm-hmm. after the Labor Relations Board in Illinois, remember 60% of which uh, was assigned under Democratic governors, ruled that they were at an impasse in bargaining with the state. So what did the tyrant do? He unilaterally imposed bereavement leave. The union had been looking for this in its own proposal Governor Rauner gave it to him, and AFSCME is unhappy about it. Uh, governor said, uh, the governor said, these are days you would never want to have to use, but unfortunately, tragedy can befall all of us, even at times that we're not ready for it. Before, AFSCME workers would have had to use either sick days or vacation days to deal with the death in the family. Now, I'll be implementing bereavement days that the employees can take. This you see this pretty much everywhere now. Bereavement days? Mhm. Yeah, you, this is you have major organizations, these are a pretty standard issue right now. Usually it's 3 days. I would imagine that's going to be the case. The governor didn't spell out uh, in the coverage I saw exactly how many days uh, that it's going to be. But uh, AFSCME spokesman Anders Lindell said By seeking to impose the union's own proposal in providing for bereavement leave, the Rauner administration is once again solely trying to distract state workers and the broader public from the real harm of his push to hike employee health premiums while freezing wages. Uh, Okay, so by (laughs) highlighting that he's going to give you something that you asked for, you're upset that that's not the thing you want him to highlight. Right. You gave us exactly what we wanted, and now we're upset because we think you're only doing it so as to distract us from the other things that we still want to get exactly what we want. This is, to me, 
And I am all for a fiscally responsible contract with public sector unions as they exist. I don't think they should be allowed, but that's a, a different tangent. We've talked about that before on the show. Bereavement leave is something that the little bit of humanitarian that I have left inside me can certainly understand. So I would never be upset with that. You know, you get bereavement leave when you have a death in the family. Well, how many times a year can you use it? Well, here's the thing. Whenever somebody in your immediate family dies, you can have bereavement leave. If you, if you yeah. live the tragedy of having that happen multiple times in a year, my God, you know, the last thing I'm worried about is, did you have a couple of extra days off? So I think that's something that we can agree on. But the fact that you have an AFSCME spokesman out there saying that by getting this, that the administration is trying to distract from the other parts of the contract, I, this, this, is, this is why public sector unions, especially AFSCME in this state, are having such a hard time recruiting taxpayers to their cause and getting any kind of backing from the general public over this contract impasse. Uh, the taxpayers usually left out of any and all equation, of course, until it comes time to pay for uh, mm-hmm. said ideas or uh, laws or contract agreements. The, the taxpayer, it, it, I wouldn't even say is, is an afterthought. It's just, okay, now we've got this all hammered out now. Oh, we got to go get that money. Okay, well, you pay up now. Well, that, and this is what happens when you break a cycle. You had Democratic governors in the state of Illinois who have gotten their campaign funding from unions. They get elected, and then to pay back those unions, they would agree to contract terms that the state can't afford going forward. That was the cycle of funding and payback. Now you have someone who was elected not to break that cycle or to break unions, but to speak up on behalf of the taxpayer in the state of Illinois Mm -hmm. who's been taken advantage of while not having a voice in the process. Right, and 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 really, at the end of the day, if, if the taxpayer's going to be the ones who, and obviously they will be, uh, we will be, the ones who, who pay the bill, somebody should be there representing mm-hmm. uh, the taxpayer, it, at least making an effort for crying out loud. This isn't a bottomless piggy bank. Uh, and if you think it is, wake up to reality. There's an article uh, in the... Uh, Sun-Times, Madeline Dubeck, and it is straight fantasy land. And it was, what can, can we all just imagine coming together? This is all based off of uh, Cardinal Supich, Kupich, where they just went, last week they were in, yeah. we got uh, yeah. elevated to, to uh, Cardinal. It was based off of uh, Cardinal Supich uh, kind of being a catalyst to bring everybody uh, together. You know, the, the uh, Dubeck says for, perhaps uh, the Cardinal could pray Governor Rauner and Speaker Madigan into a summit with Congressman Danny Davis and uh, community activists and AFSCME and Black Lives Matter and Blue Lives Matter and college officials and social service agency leaders. And, I, and I'm reading this, this, and it's an opinion piece, but I'm reading through this and I'm like, who's missing in all of this? The person at the end of the day who's going to have to pay for everything. Mm-hmm. And this is the fantasy land that we've been living in in Illinois for a long time. And Madeline Dubeck sometimes wants to just stay asleep. The taxpayers awake. They just want Springfield to, to wake up. I, and it kind of when you, when you listen to, and I listed off everybody that she included in the article, it kind of sounds like a handicap wrestling match. It's Governor Rounder versus everybody else. 
and the taxpayer can't come to the ring and bring the hammer. <laughs> right, right. The taxpayer doesn't get that moment. Oh my God, <laughs> that's the taxpayer's With the music. music. Right, right. Yeah. Here it comes. What would that sound like? I guess ka-ching. I guess is what it would sound like if the taxpayer had an entry song for that. Yeah, that would this would be high theater. Yeah, would and, be. and I would be entertained by in it. In the land I, of Lincoln, and, and he loved professional wrestling, so I think it's apropos. <laughs> Lincoln loved wrestling? Mm-hmm. You didn't know that? Uh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I don't remember that being in the movie, but okay. That was before he was a vampire hunter. Uh, <laughs> it's the morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. <laughs> Should we be concerned that uh, squirrels are fighting back? This is, a, yes. this is a, a real story. Alderman <laughs> Howard Brookins is the gentleman's name. Alderman Howard Brookins, uh, Chicago area alderman. He finds himself in a battle with tree rats uh, throughout his district. He complained that uh, Chicago is wasting a ton of money replacing and repairing the uh, garbage totes because, quote, aggressive squirrels are eating through them on a regular basis. He's an alderman on the south side of Chicago. Uh, Colleagues giggled, but he said, look, do we want trash strewn around our neighborhoods? No. Squirrels are eating holes through our garbage totes, and it's leading for us to incur the expense of repairing or replacing them at an alarming rate so that we can keep our communities free of just rampant garbage. I, I would agree with him. Uh, so now you've got well, this extra expense, and then over the weekend, he was out for a bike ride when a squirrel ran into the spokes in his front wheel and sent him flying over the handlebars. No, yes, that did not happen. Dude, Stop he, it. dude, I'm serious, and I don't know no. what his politics are, but you got to feel bad for this guy. He is He's <laughs> hospitalized right now, broken nose, fractured skull, and lost five teeth. He just got out of the hospital. He was hospitalized from November 13th and November 17th. He said he's going to need, uh, doctors said he'll need multiple surgeries to recover from the damage to his head. Are you sure this is not a Gary Larson cartoon I'm sure. come to life? Because it totally sounds, I can see it, the panel. Oh, so I, can you I. Know, this you is know. real life right here. This, this is, the squirrels I can't believe Derek took the dare. <laughs> can't, can't beat that. The squirrels in my neighborhood are so fat they wouldn't fit near bikes, folks. Well, yeah, but, but this is, and you know, it had to be the front wheel because you don't right. go top over tea kettle if they're in the back wheel. Right. You do, the bike just grinds to a halt. <laughs> there's, there's a simple way. I, I, and, and maybe this is going to sound terrible, but you want to fix the squirrel problem. What do you do? What's the easiest thing? Well, in Chicago, where everybody's armed, I think you just have squirrel season. There you go. Problem solved. Can we come together on getting rid of neighborhood squirrels? Let's bond, Illinois. (laughs) Now you just upset PETA. (laughs) Is PETA okay with the the Gary Larsoning of our squirrel population in the Windy City? I don't know, but that was that was both hilarious and serious. It sounds like they're organized, right? It does. I mean, it almost, because, A, where are the raccoons? This is a raccoon's job usually <laughs> is to chew into the trash and strew it all over the street. Yeah. Not a squirrel's job. We've had Where's squirrels. Where's the raccoon union? We had, <laughs> we had squirrels. Uh, we had to take down our uh, Halloween pumpkins early at the house because the squirrels were chewing Chewing through. into them, yeah. yeah. We had to take that, and we threw them back into the, uh, in fact, did that over the weekend, through the, the ones that had been 
chewed through and put them back into the the garden so that they could break down and come back next year again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So this is this is a real issue, and it's just one more thing where you have an ooh, expense that ooh. you don't think about. You know what though? There are there's a scientific way to uh, uh, fix this, although it, it it probably would rely on individual homeowners taking uh, action on themselves. There are certain things that you can spray around your garden that will keep squirrels away. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know the particular recipes, but usually it involves hot sauce, uh, some kind of urine uh, that will keep those varmints uh, away. So uh, you know, you can. There I'm not are two saying things. load you can up city trucks own. with these and, and spray them, right? Uh, but but if you, you have a household and this is going on, yeah, you can buy the, the, the like uh, industrial chemical one. Sure. Or there are several recipes out there that that propose to work. Uh, we've sprayed some around uh, uh, new plants that were put in this year. Well, what did you do when, the, when you had the cat problem? You took it to the scientific lev- level, right? You didn't well, just run we, out. And, when we and, had the cat problem, we called animal control and threatened to have the neighbor who said she had outdoor cats but you, evicted. But, but, but yes, in order to keep them. Here's what happens when somebody says they have outdoor cats. They're feeding them. Animals don't go to the bathroom where they eat. So they were using my yard. As the litter box and eating, That's she didn't right. see a problem with it because they weren't doing their business in, in her, her yard. yard. Right. So yeah, that was like a sriracha urine something mix that we yeah, ended and, up and, out and it's there. a it's a legit thing. I mean, there there is a concoction. I hope nobody's eating can, lunch early. Uh, we apologize, but the, look, we're we're talking about you know squirrels uh, mm-hmm. working together uh, in concert to. Uh, take over certain portions of the neighborhood and and a i don't think that the the you know we laugh i don't know that this is a government thing you just spray certain concoction on your on your tote or wherever you don't want them chewing and hey guess what they'll go away see all the fun ben yount's missing this morning here on the morning meeting coming up who's backed a trillion dollar infrastructure bill and who thinks that quote the house is burning down we'll get to that next here on the morning meeting Giving conservatives a voice in the tri-states. I mean, this stuff moves people. It's the morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. WTAD. Morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Sean Seacrest, Squade with you this morning. Join us tomorrow because if today's hump day, then tomorrow's Friday. Yes, that's At how least it for works. the actual week for the broadcast on the morning meeting, which means uh, Craig Robinson, the Iowa Republican. And because of travel schedules and some other things, Craig's going to flip flop and join us to start the show. Oh, okay. So, yeah, Very Craig good. will be on right out of the gate with us tomorrow here on the meeting. Uh, we'll figure out if uh, his travel plans will have him uh, soaring like the Winthrop Eagles over Illinois. <sighs> really? Too soon? <sighs> you you were never a fan of Coach Gross. I've, I've, <sighs> that's I, just one of, I think that's just one of those things you hopefully write off. They come back and have a good Big Ten season, they'll be fine. Okay. All right. You got to finish those games out, though. You, you, you do. Those games you out. do. You let uh, you let Winthrop lead for what twenty four seconds mm. before they pushed it to OT and then uh, snuck out of your house with a win. And they probably paid him like a half a million dollars to, to come, come in to there. Champagne. Yeah. 
We paid you to lose. <laughs> Sneak out oh, we forgot that win. part. The Illini's house might be burning down on the court, but uh, one man has said that the Democratic house uh, in, the, in, in Washington is a house that's burning down. Representative Tim Ryan out of Ohio uh, in an interview said that President-elect Trump's victory combined with the GOP protecting majorities in both the House and Senate sent a clear signal to lawmakers that, quote, working class Americans had flipped the middle finger to the establishment. He is now uh, Representative Tim Ryan out of Ohio looking to be the other Ryan in House leadership as he's going to try and unseat Nancy Pelosi. That shouldn't be difficult. After all, the ill will from Obamacare and you got to pass it before you can read it and all that, that stuff is still, it might not be recent history, but that's still an albatross around her neck. Sure. So Ryan is uh, touting uh, bringing up younger, uh, not only legislators in the Democratic Party, but essentially he said he wants a Democratic Party 2.0, where we get back to realizing that the middle class working person is what this party is all about and not far left liberalism. Well, here's, This is a guy who's going to have trouble with the leadership in his own party. Well, that's true. But what have in our lifetimes, think about it, what have Democrats traditionally uh, clothed themselves with? Youth, energy. They weren't the old stodgy politicians Working that was man. always yeah. that was always the GOP and now mm-hmm. now they're fighting against their own i you know ideals mm-hmm. of who they are there's if an identity the, crisis the 80s and the 90s right. sure there's an identity crisis within the democrat party that old guard uh if they really believe in who the party is has to know that youth w- w- will be served within the party. You say you don't have a bench. Well, now's the time to to, to build that bench. I'm I'm just t- telling you that that you know if you're if you're a Democrat, yet you, you have to if if you believe in your own party's ideals, that at some point in time you need to kind of refresh. And it, I can't think of a better moment. Has there been a, a better yeah. opportunity than than right now? Yeah, you've got two years to sort of come up and, and use that refresh for the midterm elections I mean, and so then see if you can carry it forward from there. And this is, this is interesting to me because we were talking about when Donald Trump won the Republican nomination that they were the party in crisis. Now, your old school uh, Republicans were saying they are in crisis because the party was so weak that they opened the door for a populist to come mm-hmm. in and take their nomination. I'll certainly listen to that conversation that the traditional idea of the Republican Party is in disarray right now. But I think both parties are in disarray right now. And at least the Democrats have a clear window to recognize that and make some change. The Republicans, because Trump won, are kind of stalled in this middle ground where they can work around the fringes in the states. Mm -hmm. But the president, when he ran on your party's ticket, is the de facto leader of your party, and that is a party line that's populist right now. Yeah, uh, for for the Republicans, it's a different it's a different hurdle uh, to get over moving forward. For the Democrats, it's uh, are you who you say you are, and that's what that's the conversation that that this guy is starting with mm-hmm. Nancy Pelosi. This is who you used to be. You're not that anymore. Allow us to become that again by getting out of the way be interesting to see how that goes down. Uh, Pelosi was uh, made history as the first female Speaker of the House and has been the minority leader, so this would be quite the upset. I believe Democrats, what they say, 
the 30th? Yeah, November 30th is when they're voting on their leadership. So that'll be coming up uh, next week. And uh, VP-elect Mike Pence, in an interview, said that uh, he and Donald Trump are backing the trillion-dollar infrastructure bill and that uh, Trump is pursuing this like the CEO that he is, looking for ways to cash flow a trillion-dollar investment in revitalizing American in- infrastructure. Uh, they're looking at public-private partnerships, bonding authorities, and enlisting private capital. It'll be interesting to see how he goes about doing that. Uh, this is something that sort of falls much more on the progressive side of the aisle yeah, I, when you talk about government spending for infrastructure I, projects. i got to believe that the conservatives, Republicans, wince at, at this type of a thing. So he's going to have to be very thorough about how he plans to implement it because uh, America still has a bad taste in its mouth from eight years ago. So we'll see. That's part of his uh, 100 days uh, first 100 days plan for Trump. That's up all over the web. Take a look at it when you get the opportunity. He set some ambitious hurdles for himself. We'll see if he gets there. It's going to do it for us this morning. Craig Robinson tomorrow on the morning meeting as we take you right up to the holiday. And then something altogether different tomorrow as well. We'll, we'll see you then. Join us again tomorrow for the best talk in the tri-states. The morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD.